Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boar's Nest. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Hey, everyone. If you've been listening to new projects by Drake or Beyonce or paying attention to the recent conversations around the resurgence of 90s dance music kicked off by their projects, chances are you've heard Keitronada's name or his influence. Suddenly, Keitronada's futuristic, soulful disco sound is everywhere including on his new hit song, Twin Flame, featuring Anderson Pack. Keitronada is an interesting confluence of culture. Haitian by birth and lineage, he was raised outside of Montreal in French-speaking Quebec, Canada. He got his start as a teenager uploading Jay Dilla and Flying Lotus-inspired beats to SoundCloud. It was there in 2012 that his edit of Janet Jackson's song, If, first exploded overnight, becoming a massive viral hit. In the 10 years since, Keitronada has remixed officially and unofficially hundreds of records and released two studio albums, including the Grammy Award-winning Bubba, featuring artists like Caliucci's, Goldlink, and Masego. On today's episode, Rick Rubin and Keitronada sit down to talk about how using technology unconventionally can lead to creating an entirely new sound. Keitra also explains the anxiety he felt as an up-and-coming hip-hop producer who can never quite connect with a classic production tool, the MPC. He also talks about what it's like rocking stadiums as the opening DJ on the weekend's current worldwide tour. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's Rick Rubin with Katranada. Great to see you. Good to see you, man. Where have you been mostly? Have you been on tour or home? Tour. I've been touring since probably the whole summer. And now I'm in the tour with the, the weekend U.S. tour. And how's it going to work? Like, Do you know what the setup for the, for the evening is going to be in the stadium shows? 
it's really like my same shows. Like I do DJ sets. Cool. It doesn't quite make sense because I'm just like this DJ act, producer DJ act, and I don't really do much more than just DJ, but it looks cool, I guess. And the music's going to be great. Like people are coming into good music. Yeah. It's, it's all good. I, you know, music always been great, but. Absolutely. Like being an opener, it's not all the way easy. I feel like in some ways, though, what's interesting about it is that considering the kind of set you do, it's not like, hey, look at me. It's like, here's this great music. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so it's not, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it could really work in that everyone's just going to be enjoying the music and then the, you know, the, the rock star show happens after and that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. You know, I, it's I, not competition. It's something I sign up, you know, like they, they put me in the, they put me in the lineup for that. So I'm like, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, like I, I love to just do me and that's just gonna be and, fun. And people are like, people are, people are already loving it. Like, like I just, people see on the stands and, and I see like stories, Instagram stories that people are watching. Like even from up there, yeah, they just like, oh my God, Kitronada, you're killing it. Tell me from the beginning, when's the first time you ever played live? So when I played live for the first time, it was in Montreal. It wasn't really a set. It was like this beat thing. It was not even a competition. It was just, it was just a lineup of producers from Montreal. Surprising, there was like a lot of them, and I was one of them, and we were all making like those like boom bap, kind of like influenced by Low End Theory, like Flying Lotus, like and all the Brain Feeder. Like we were all like inspired by them, and we were making our own community of beat makers. And not gonna lie, when I came in, it was like some some old shit, like where this motherfucker come from because i was not i didn't i didn't live in the city at all so i was in the suburbs and that's like kind of like the first times so where i was like okay i can go out in montreal in downtown so most of the other people already knew each other yeah like everybody else knew each other but yeah. i met everybody that the first time i actually played live so, so cool yeah it was it was a good time i was like 19 when you were first coming up, you did remixes also before you were asked to do remixes. You just did them on your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tell me about that process. Like, how would you pick what to do? And then what would you use as source material to build from? Because you had, lim you know, you had limitations yeah. then. Oh, it's like, I don't know, even like just finding acapella, like, yeah. that was always fascinating to me. Yeah, it's easier now, I think, but... When you were starting, I think it was a little harder. Oh, it was harder. Like, there's a lot of songs that show, like, oh my God, if I had the acapella of that song. Yeah. But a lot of them were not available, yeah. which was like, oh man, you know. But I would find sometimes when I had to remix it, I would find ways to, like, just add drums over it mm -hmm. or even make it my own edit and mm -hmm. just stuff like that. Do you want to play us one of your early remixes that's like you were not hired to do, but you just took it upon yourself? Yeah. I got one. The Janet remix was like one that was really, that caught people's attention. I always gonna play this in my shows no matter what. It's psychedelic. Yeah, it's mad psychedelic. <laughs> I feel like a lot of my remixes, like my early ones, they were like so like innocent. They were not like, yeah. I was not trying to blow up. I was really like expressing myself at a point where, I don't know, I was doing edits for like my DJ sets and stuff like that. Yeah. And I want to present myself like that. 
it almost that almost feels like two records playing at once that don't really work together yeah. but somehow they just stay glued together and it and it, you find this other rhythm going on the way they bounce off each other oh yeah it was well received when it came out and whatever oh, that yeah that was the one that kind of like put me on the like on the map in so terms cool. intellectual world it's 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 funny because like when i end up remix songs i don't know i really love the song i end up loving fall in love with the song and then and then I'm trying to break up the song. It's like, it's funny. And then I'll end up remixing and I don't feel the same way about the original. Like, I don't have the same love I used to have with yeah. the original. Respect it as yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. But but you, you've it's almost like you've seen it in a new light. Yeah. And it's hard to see it back the way, or you can't, maybe you can't never go back and see it the way you saw it before. Yeah, exactly. It kind of messes up with my head, but it's all, it's, <laughs> it's all good though. Cause yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, man, I end up making, like, classics that people are just like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, so and, cool. And I love that. I love that I had that power. You yeah, know what I'm saying? so cool. Maybe like, start only remixing songs you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then, then it's all good. <laughs> only like, better. Right? Exactly. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> Talk about the, um, that, the world. So it's interesting, the timing. You make that. You put it up on SoundCloud, I imagine. Yeah. And now that I don't think it would do the same. Like, the world has changed. Oh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that moment in time. How was SoundCloud viewed in the world? It was something that was so... Like, you could find original music there. Just up-and-coming, like, DIY artists. There was just this world of, like, this explosion of bedroom producers that we could finally upload our stuff online. There was not, like... At the time, when there was, like, bedroom, bedroom producers, there was yeah. no outlet for them to, like, put their stuff out there so and be discovered. it was just a community of people making stuff, putting it up to share it with other people yeah. who were just heads, really. Because it wasn't, like, really mainstream at all. It was more just for other people who liked making cool stuff and checking out what other cool people exactly. were making. Yeah, yeah. Because for me, like, I would say that, like, I didn't find it right away, but I had my account since 2009. Maybe that's, like, wow. 10 years plus. But before that, there was like a YouTube like community that I had. A lot of those producers ended up making it, you know, like doing their own thing now, which is good. But I was like a teenager at the time. This one guy, Kalen Ellis, just he made, he's an amazing musician. But I knew him online since I was since he was twelve. I was like fourteen, and we were all like in this community of beat makers, like. All influenced by, you know, Fly Lotus and, you know, Jay Dilla. You can't really find kids like around us that was listening to that type of music on yeah. top of that. So for us to come together, it was like, it, it meant a lot to us. And we were all uploading our beats on YouTube at the time because SoundCloud was not really the thing. Mm -hmm. But YouTube was like more accessible. So YouTube was the first place to be able to make something, put it up, and feel like there was a community that would be able to check it out. Yeah, that's how I felt like. Because yeah. I mean, a lot of friends online that still to this day, I'm like, yo, I keep contact with like some of them, you know, to yeah, this day. Cool. And I think I still think it's amazing because we're all making like tight shit. Like, but we were like so young, just trying to be our favorite producer, like trying to be like them, you know, imitating them. And I feel like when you imitate a producer when you're young and you're starting to produce, it's like, it's good training. Yeah, you find your way in. You yeah. Most people start, the first thing you do is through imitation, just to kind of figure out how to do it. Yeah. 
And then slowly it just starts becoming more you and less them just happens even without trying. Like it, yeah. it just happens, you know, yeah. you kind of run out of their stuff to copy and you're still making stuff and now it's new. Exactly. But yeah, like back to the community thing on YouTube, we slowly move into SoundCloud, like one by one went on SoundCloud. It, it definitely evolved over the years, you know, in 2012, like when that remix was uploaded, a lot of people were like, getting known through YouTube. So there would be like YouTube channels where they would post like one of the producers on SoundCloud. They would like, and then they would upload them because they had a lot of subscribers. That's what happened with my remix. So like a tastemaker would repost it. Yeah. And so there were people who were just looking for whatever was cool and then they would turn on more people to it. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, just like somebody who has a Tumblr page and they got a lot of followers on their Tumblr. They would like upload, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, oh, my YouTube channel, this is all the music I listen to. Yeah. And they love yeah. that person's taste. So, and so they trust them. Yeah. And my remix would end up being on that page. And then, yo, I was like, what the hell's going on? Like, I would get like yeah. notification, like, I would come at noon <laughs> and get like, <laughs> 600 notification on my phone over on SoundCloud. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not real. Yeah. I'm going back to sleep. Because, yeah. like, I was sleeping mad late, like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. Yeah. And that's when, like, I was making music at Yeah, night. you'd work all night and sleep all day. It was yeah. normal, normal young, was, young musician hours. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I, was, I woke up again, like, maybe, like, 3 p.m. Like, what the hell's going on? So I just see, like, those, like, numbers. And I just couldn't believe it. It was like what is going on? You know, like, <laughs> and I just saw that that person uploaded on their YouTube channel cool. and then that kind of like spread the word about this remix. And I just couldn't, really couldn't believe it until I posted the second one, the Be Your Girl remix. So cool. When did the SoundCloud change? When did SoundCloud stop meaning what it meant? I have no idea. I think they, I could tell like when business like, you know, need sponsors and need like ads so they can like, you know, s- still float. The, the, it, the it, business model changed to be something yeah, different. It becomes less cool, or I don't know. Like for me, it didn't really bother me, but I could tell like nobody was really uploading stuff there. Mm-hmm. And did people go back to YouTube, or was there another option? I don't think there was another option. So what do people weird. do now? I think right now it's like TikTok could be a good one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of new music I discovered. A lot of artists are discovering on TikTok right now. So there's always going to be a new thing. But it was definitely something special at the time. Yeah. It also was whole tracks, because that's another difference between that and now TikTok. TikTok tends to be super short clips. It's not songs. It's, a you know, 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. Like, most like most snippets, you know, would be like, oh, my God, like, when's this song coming out? And then somebody would blow up from a snippet. It's either, like, some some people can't make it or break it because like the snippet turns out to be better than the song. Yeah. Sometimes, so that happens a lot. Lately. I would say it's easier to make fifteen seconds interesting than a whole song interesting, and then many whole songs interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, crazy, it's, right? Yeah. I'm like, man, like, yeah, we have we, we have come to that time where the key, the the, the highlight of the song would become the snippet, and then yeah. people would ex- expect uh, something different, you know. Mm-hmm. And do you still do DJ sets, or do you? play your own so tell me what is the current i'm still doing dj sets you know because yeah personally it's like my choice like i definitely want to take it to another level but it's that it's my choice of like playing you know different edits yeah and if it's fun i mean that's the most it's fun it's the, it's the way i feel the most confident yeah as an electronic act 
if I'm not a keyboard player, because I'm not a keyboard player, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it would make sense for me to, like, play with, like, keys mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like, I love hip-hop so much. I like the elements of, like, ones and twos and keep it, like, you know, dance music, disco-driven or, you know, hip-hop-driven. So, yeah, I just love doing that and just play, like, different versions of the songs. Like, I would play, like, the Bill Girl remix yeah. and just put the not the acapella but like maybe just the, the keys the bass and the vocals until the drop happens actually it's like different from the soundcloud uploaded version like every every version i play live is like slightly different when i think of what a dj's mission is in a club very specific to get people dancing very specific energy is it any different when you're performing as you? You know, you're, you're not the DJ there to just rock the crowd. You're there because it's they want to see you, what you're going to play. Mm -hmm. Is it a different mission than just getting up and rocking a club? Yeah, 100%. Because when I do my act, yes. it's like, it's, you, I got to play the hits. I got to play, like, songs from the album. Mm -hmm. And But I still end up DJing, but it's it's, like, strictly, like, my hits you know and like i have a long discography of like remixes or yeah. like even my own songs albums eps but you know it's like for me i just love to lose myself in dj yeah. and it's like it's really like sometimes i just can't help myself to like dj you know so yeah because it's all fun for me it's yeah. really like it's not really serious it's not like oh my god my big break you know we're gonna take a quick break but we'll be right back with more from kate Trinata. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at applecard.com. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. Let me tell you an unconventional story about a healthcare group that wanted to improve their efficiency. Boston Children's Hospital. They were already a leading pediatric facility. Their patient outcomes, workflows, and delivery of care were already great. But they wondered... How can we make it better? So the hospital got to work. Their idea was to build what they called clinical mobility, meaning a system which would allow their staff to access information and interact with patients on mobile devices anywhere in the hospital. And what made that possible? 5G. The hospital rebuilt their entire system with 5G technology at its core. That infrastructure now supports thousands of phones and tablets so practitioners can communicate with patients on a whole new level. Boston Children's also made sure the system could flex and scale to handle medical advancements like robotic surgery and virtual reality for training and research. This was worlds away from how they had previously operated. This innovative work hasn't gone unnoticed, first by patients, but also by their peers. Boston Children's was a first place winner in the industry category at last year's unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event that celebrates customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of innovation. 
If the Boston Children's story rings a bell with you, if your team has asked the same questions about building a better business solution, I encourage you to enter this year's awards. It's a great way to be recognized for smart, disruptive thinking in front of some of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We're back with more from Rick Rubin and Kate Renato. Who would you say biggest musical inspiration has been over the course of your life? Oh, wow. Of course, uh, you know, Jay did to me, like, when he passed away. Yeah. You know, I was listening to a lot of Tribe Called Quest. Like, you know, like, we talk about 2006, you know, like, I was literally discovering them at the time. And then... Growing up, there's a lot of like stuff he produced that songs that I love. I didn't know Jay Dilla produced them, you know. So mm-hmm. I just like look at this discography, and I like like probably fifty percent of the discography. So I was like, wait a minute, you know. And then, you know, I heard Donuts, I heard all the beat tapes, and it was like something that was like that I would study like yeah. as a producer. Him and Madlib, yeah. I would say like Madlib specifically, like. Like, Jayla introduced me to Mad Lib, and then Mad Lib was like, you know, MF Doom, like the, the Mad Villain project. But Mad Lib was like literally the one that was like, okay, he does jazz, he does house music, he got this house project on a monic, different moniker. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought it was so impressive, like, that it really inspired me to do different things. Have you read the Jay Dilla book? I, I did read Isn't it. Isn't it great? It's a really good book. It's man. really like, good. I hit up um, the author, Dan. Dan Charnas. Yeah. Like, I hit him up, and I'm like, man, yeah. that was this is such a beautiful book, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, it reconfirms all the, like, his true story. Like, I don't know, like, there's a lot of, like, myths. They're creating a lot of, like, mm-hmm. stuff about Jay Dilla. But now, like, reading the book, it's kind of like it makes you feel like, okay, it's a good timeline of, like, what happened with, like, his musical career, like what happened with Q-Tip and yeah, all that. Do you remember what your first memories of music in childhood? Oh, 100%. My dad played a lot of music, had this like big system, like amplifiers and, you know, CD players. Like I knew how to use CDs when I was like four or five years old and a lot of compa in the house, Haitian compa, but also a lot of, 
you know, Michael, Bob Molly was my favorite artist too, mm -hmm. like George Benson, Al Jaro, like a lot of jazz as well. Man, it was just all types of music. Like my dad was playing while he was painting too, because he's a painter. Do you think hearing the diverse music when you were a kid impacted the stuff that you made sense? I don't really think so, you know? My, I feel like in some parts, like there's there's influences where, like let's say like when my, when my dad played Michael Jackson, like it definitely like, yeah, I don't, there was just something about the up-tempo and the upbeat stuff where I was like, okay, you know, like Michael is in that circle. So yeah, that was something that was influenced by. But I forgot to tell you, like my sister's, also had like this VHS tape of like 96, 97, like hip hop, R&B, Beastie Boys as well, you know? Yeah, cool. So it's like a lot of like, it's like a videotape of a bunch of music videos. And that's like something I would like watch more than cartoons and watch more than, you know, anything else. That was like my main interest, like watching those music videos. And I absorbed that. What was your first experiments with making making beats or making music of any kind? Definitely when I start DJing, well, I didn't have like the tools to DJ at all. Like it was literally like software, like online, like virtual DJ. I knew all the shortcuts. So it was like, I really sounded good. Like I had like all the gear. <laughs> and then it got to a point where I discovered looping, like drum loops and jazz loops. So everything was very like technical. So it felt like a lot of like producers, like, how they started, you know, like all the legends, they all started with like this tape recorder, like like they just recorded like every loop on tape. So it felt like it was the same way where I would like record a whole three minute loop of like that beat or I would do like, you know, some sort of like automation live and had like five beats under my belt. And, <laughs> and that was on a laptop? And that was like, that was not even on a laptop. That was like on a desktop, like PC computer. Cool. Cool. That was really slow and then yeah. <laughs> and all that. And then the Fruity Loops came in the way where I was like trying again and fail to like actually like use the the software. And my little brother was like, yo, like this is how you use it. You gotta like put the kick here, but and, you know, I was like, Oh, really? Okay. And then I just never stopped making beats from then. It seems like it also if you use technology in a way that's different than the way everyone else uses it, it can lead to some really interesting things. You know, it's like uh, it might not be technically the right way, but there really isn't a right way when we're making music. We're just looking for these moments yeah. where it feels good. Exactly. And to me, it's something that I really like, like I was really confident with my music. So I was like, how am I not really like, like a musician, musician, and I'm making all that music. So that really like, messed up with my head, like if I was doing the right thing or not, you know, like during my teenage years of like learning how to make beats. Cause I would see a lot of people like, you know, using the MPC or play the keyboard and just, you know, come up with stuff that is like things I never understood, but I always used it my own way. Mm -hmm. And that really like play with my head. Like, am I doing something right? Am I doing something wrong? But everything sounded good. It sounded yeah. perfect. And until, it was like until I saw a lot of people doing it, you know, the same way I did, like not really using, you know, a MIDI controller to make a beat. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess I I got that right. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it's, again, I don't even know if it's right or wrong, but you did it your way. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I feel like you've managed to do that 
both as a producer and as an artist, like we normally think of artists as these sort of outgoing, loud, you know, everybody look at me person. And you've managed to stay your shy self, true to yourself and still make this incredible music and still rock the party and and be true to you. Mm -hmm. I think it's inspiring for people to know there's not one way. And I imagine over the years, there've been people who tried to get you to be more like other people. Oh yeah. (laughs) And it seems like you've been good, like doing your thing. Yeah. It's been good. Now I'm like, I can confirm it. You know, like it's like, there's not one way. There's not like two ways, you know, there's definitely like a million ways for you to just make music. Like even like somebody like Steve Lacey, like that was, Mm -hmm. that's using his like iPhone to make demos. So it's like, that's that's already impressive and that's like something I kind of like when I saw that for the first time I was like oh well like I thought it was really cool because I it shows that there's more than ways to make music it's not really about you know what you got it's really how you use it you know absolutely it's, it's more the idea and your ear and your taste yeah and everything else you can do it any different way mm-hmm. really yeah when I was growing up like I had a job and like I had like my first job and saved up to like buy an NPC. You know, there's things like that that I was like, okay, like I'm I'm trying to be a real producer. Yeah. I'm gonna buy all those gears, you know, and it's like I don't know. It didn't really con I didn't really connect with like an NPC really. Like there's a lot of techniques and I didn't know how to upload like or put samples in there. So I just like stick to what I know. From the early days of technology till now, has the way you've worked on music evolved or do you still do it the way you did right from the beginning? It, it definitely evolved in a way that, you know, I'm learn, like learning different softwares and get real musicians, you know, like all that. Like this is something that, you know, I never really did until I had like my, until the career started popping off. So there are things like that where, it evolved in terms of like my taste and like my ideas. And then it really turned my music to something else instead of just being like, just a hip hop beat. And then you're like somebody like, like let's say Kanye that would like, he'll do a beat, but he'll make, turn it to like a whole masterpiece, like with strings and all that, you know, this is something I picked up when I was like young, like having strings in my, my music, having like horns arrange, arrangements. And now I can actually do it. But then it was like, how am I gonna do that? Like, you know, I'm trying to like find uh, one-liners, you know, that been recorded and Sa- use it to as a sample song. one part and use it as a new element in your piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a lone original too. Like that sounded also like different than I would have think. So that was also cool to experiment with that. But now it has come to the point where I'm like, okay, I can finally do like have real like instrumentalists like over my music. That's what I did with the last album, so. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. The, the last one. In, the last one, but. The last one that came out. Yeah, the in 2019. Yeah. Like having But you're, real, you're deep into a new one now. I guess I am. <laughs> well, you've um, made a lot of stuff. We don't know if it's an album yet, right? Exactly. Uh, it's just it's just a lot of demos. Yeah. I'm just confused with the direction I want to go, you mm-hmm. know? There is a sound, kind of like how Twin Flame sounds, you know, like very like, Disco, strings, very influenced by that. And, you know, heavy drums and heavy bass. But 
I feel like I've been influenced a lot with what's happening lately with the, you know, everybody doing house music and my name being mentioned. But I feel like you were doing it before everybody. <laughs> hey, you know, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't say I was doing it for everybody because I got to pay respects to like all the people that, that influenced me, you know, like no, in terms of. I would say you did, you were part of the like new, like bringing back a style of dance music that was not in vogue or mm. not popular. Feel like you were one of the people who really brought it back and made it popular again and f found a way to put a new slant on it like i always when i listen to your music there's a familiarness to the grooves that feels good to me and there's also a newness either in the instrumentation or the way it's put together where it's like well it's not an old you know it doesn't sound like an old record it sounds like a new record but it hits your soul in the way that an old record might which mm -hmm. is good yeah for me. I'm trying to, it's, it's like, it's something I'm always trying to do, like, you know, to keep it soulful, like, that's like the number one thing, because I don't know, like, where there's like beats that, that is not soulful to me, it's like, I don't know if I'm going to like it, like, personally for me, but I'm really happy that I found, like, a link to, like, electronic and then soul music, so, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people did it, but it's not, never been in the forefront, you know, like, you hear, like, people like like you know jay dilla was doing it a lot yeah. and then it's just something i picked up where i studied um jay dilla's swing and you know like those cats that are like from like you know in the same circle like black milk and mad lib and you know just blaze does that too and i just like did it on in terms of like oh how would if i put like a filter on a house beat like how would that sound like so you know, I just like went full on with my ideas at the time, and then it never really like popped off. It's cool, and like, it doesn't sound like anything that came before it, but it does have a familiarity that feels good. It doesn't feel foreign. It feels more like different and comfortable at the same time. It's a great feeling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's great that you know, like the idea really executed well, and then people are like paying attention to it. You know. I remember you came to visit me in Hawaii maybe three or four years ago, a while ago, pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. and we were listening to, to, the, to the music you were making then, and it was already like, felt like future disco. You know, it was already, you were already there. So, I, I mean, from my point of view, I know you were there before everybody because <laughs> I heard it. Yeah. And at the time that you were playing it for me, it, sounded, it felt really fresh to me, but also unlike what anything else was going on. Yeah. So. That's why I'm I'm <laughs> talking about it. Like I heard it. I heard you the sounds then. So yeah, it's good to have a witness. You know, like <laughs> yeah. In terms of like, like you know, all the beats I was making, it was like something. You know, just experiments. You know, mm -hmm. and you know, a lot of people didn't really get it. Like I always send those beats to a lot of artists, and it's like they don't really get it. The in the first time, like I don't know. Some people are really like okay, like they're gonna do it. But sometimes, most of the time, it's like they don't really understand mm -hmm. or they want to hit, so it's not going to work for their albums. Mm -hmm. A lot of my a lot of my albums are like people who passed on, you know, the production. Like they did the song and they didn't put it on their albums. So, and then I'm like asking them, can I use that for my album? And it's like, okay, sure. So a lot of those, <laughs> all of my albums are made up like compilation of just... Yeah misses you know like i would understand why it doesn't fit their album because yeah. this sound is so distinct from the other so, stuff yeah yeah, yeah yeah something i would understand i wouldn't really understand then but now it's like okay 
I get it now, mm-hmm. you know. And now everybody's doing it, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess you know the first one that's that is trying something sort of new. It's like it's always gonna be them who's gonna like not get the the cake. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. but you never know. You never know how it comes around. And who knows? Also, the fact that you were onto that sound first also means you'll probably develop that into a new sound first. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Yeah. And and we'll you know you'll see you, you'll see how it works. Yeah, you know I might. The I'm, movie's not over. Yeah, exactly. I'm. I know it's like my. I feel like my, like my career, like it has just started as at the same time. So like like you said, we never know, and like I might be surprised of yeah. like so many things. You know, it seems like. I mean, it seems like that from when I first met you, it was already things were really popping off on like a club level. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it's only grown since, like continually, just keeps growing. Yeah, and feels good. That's good to know because sometimes, like, I'm like, am I doing it right? You know, like, <laughs> or am I like being too different? Or there are times where like people sound exactly like me. Like it really like sometimes messes with me, yeah. messes my head. So I just want to try new things, and I feel like I'm back to to zero in terms of like, okay, let me try something new. Like yeah. in terms of like. Okay, like nobody really did that, you know, that funk that they were doing then, they're not doing it today. Like there's like a lot of stuff that I pick up from stuff that I listen to and then get inspiration from that and then create. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more from Kate Renata. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. In my book, David and Goliath, I tried to figure out how some people find the strength to take on the established way of thinking and turn it upside down. What does it take to be a disruptor? And I concluded that a disruptor is someone with a rare combination of three traits. First, you have to be open. You have to be willing to see and do things in new ways. Secondly, you have to be conscientious, to follow through and make things happen. Those two are obvious. But the third one is the crucial one. You have to be willing to do what you think is right, even when everyone around you thinks you're an idiot. There isn't a brilliant innovator in history who wasn't surrounded by naysayers. Most of us can't take that kind of criticism and we fold. But the disruptor doesn't. They soldier on. I've been looking at disruptors and their success stories a lot lately, partly because I'm working on a follow-up to the tipping point. And market disruption plays a key role in how ideas take off but also because I'm going to be the keynote speaker at this year's unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business. It's an event where customers are recognized for kicking convention to the curb to elevate their company, while also doing meaningful things for their community and even the world. 
In fact, I'll be presenting the first ever Tipping Point designation, a new special distinction honoring one entrant that sparked transformative change for their organization. If this event sounds like your thing, I encourage you to find out more or even enter the unconventional awards to be recognized for your disruptive thinking. Win a donation to a charity of your choice and much more. You can enter before July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, attempt to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242-424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We're back with the rest of Rick Rubin's conversation with Kay Trinata. I'd love to hear you produce an artist where you do the whole album, because I feel like that it would make sense because you have such a specific sound. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to when that happens. The right artist, the right combination. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a special thing when it happens. Yeah. I, it's it's something I always want to do. Like I always want to produce a whole project. Yeah. And a lot of that has been happening like in 2021, like three artists I've been working with and it turned out to like be a full-on project. Things are coming together. And I like that too, because it's like finally like my range as a producer, like not only me being the main artist, like I want, I really want to be in the background, you know, as a true producer. Like yeah. this has always been my real dream. Yeah. But because like even me being in the forefront, it's not something I always like. Yeah. But yeah, eventually, like, you know, soon y'all gonna hear, like, yeah. how to produce albums, you for know? For sure. It makes sense for you to simultaneously be an artist as well, also because the sound is so specific to you Yeah, that when it's all together, it makes sense. Like, it's it yeah. it makes sense that it's coming from you because it's your sound. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's great, you know? But, you know, I wish I wish people would let me, you know, if I'm the feature artist, yeah. like I wish they would let me, you know, like, you know, arrange or mix, you know, sometimes it's like they don't want to let me do that. And I'm like, oh my God, this could be so much better, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I, I felt like I got this ear where people, like, a lot of people should trust me, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I understand. How do you know, like, um, what's the feeling when it's good? Like, how do you, how do you know when it's good? Oh man, it's, 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 it's hard to explain. Like, you know, you get it like, you know, deep in your heart, like in your soul, like you just know, like, it's like, it's like, all right. And then you listen over and over. And even if it's like in five years, that stuff is coming out, you just know that's like, man, 
this is the wildest. Like, this is the craziest stuff. Like, nobody heard it. It gets old to you as well, because, like, nobody. You're used to it. You're yeah, used to I'm, it. Yeah. like, personally, like, I would get used to a lot of beats that I listen to, and I'm like, this is so amazing. Like, this is so good. And it's like, it's been, like, three years that those songs are not, those, those beats are not even out, or are not even used. And then it'll be used, and it's, like, it's new again. Like, it's like a, it's like it's been reborn. Yeah. Just, like, Twin Flame, for example, you know, so. Is that a track that's been around for a minute? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, you know, I was in Hawaii with you, like, yeah. playing that song in yeah, the yeah. car, so. And that's, like, 2018. Wow. Yeah. What's interesting about that also is that normally when I think about dance music, dance music often has a short fuse. Like, if there's a hot sound it's not hot long, you know, like it changes fast. So the fact that you can make a beat four years ago and have it feel fresh today, mm. it's a good sign for its timelessness. You know, it's yeah. not it's not just a trend <laughs> because the trends don't last that long. Yeah, exactly. Like this is something I, I thought, thought about as well. It's like, how come after five years, like I'm listening to the same demo, didn't change anything and it's still as perfect as it sound. You know, there's a lot of songs on that I'm like, that's been on release that I'm like, yeah, this is going to be so good when it comes out. Yeah. But it's been a long time, you know, there's yeah. like, and there's stuff on people's albums too that like people that would, that work with that they were going to use it for their album. And I'm like, man, how come they didn't pick that one up, man? Like it would have been like so good for them, you know? It arrives as it's supposed to arrive. And there's a story going on that's beyond us you know yeah, it's exactly always interesting when when it comes up it's like surprised by what happens yeah and but it's crazy because deep down in your soul you know like you said like yeah, when you, you know something it. is right and you it's like it. wow it's like now i can listen to disco records from the 70s and they sound as exciting as anything i've ever heard yeah you know like it's it's amazing the power of some of these things and then you can listen to some stuff that you love you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, and you listen to it now, it sounds old, you know, like feels yeah. like temporary. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot of like songs that I used to love. Yeah. And then haven't aged well. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's not, this is not my favorite album anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I changed my mind. You know, there's a lot of like stuff that I revisit, and I'm like, man, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Tell me what you mostly listen to. It's a lot of new wave. It's a lot of new wave records. New wave, like 80s new wave? Like 80s new wave. Yeah. There's just something about how they use like, like how unquantized their stuff are, and it's like it's all sense, mm -hmm. and it's all like bad singing, but it's it has this vibe too, like that's I don't know. It's just some. It just does something to me. New wave was like an outgrowth of punk rock. It sounded different, but exactly. the the spirit of it, it was called post punk. Yeah, and post punk kind of turned into new wave. Yeah. And post-punk was like the same people who might have been making punk rock, but now they're making dance music or they're making like a do-it-yourself attempt at pop music. Yeah. And I love that. You can tell they were experimenting and it's like by the years, you know, if you listen to one song from 83, it's like more like raw drums. And then like you go to 87, like when stuff is more clean and quantized, you know, it's like... Mm -hmm. I just love like seeing like the year and it's like you just know it's gonna be like a raw new wave record. I mean when you you'll see like something from eighty six, you know, it'll be like more clean, mm -hmm. more crystallized, you know, sonically. So mm -hmm. 
would you say that your relationship to music has changed since you were a child? No. Same? Not at all. Great. That's a, yeah, that's a great question. Not at all. It's like the, the love for music has always been the same. I always got a song in my head since I was like five. Like not, I'm not ADHD like diagnosed, but like I just know that's what I had. Like when I was like struggling with school, it was really like the music in my head or music videos in my head. So it's like, or even percussions with pencils. Like I was doing all that. Yeah, it didn't change. <laughs> I don't think I ever asked you this, but how did you get your artist name? How did you become oh. Kate Trinata? <laughs> how did I become Kate Trinata? Oh, like I said, like my name was Kate Tridamas, like Nostradamus. Yep. So that name really stuck by me. And that, that's when like I started to get my name out there in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And then there was another artist named Flostradamus. Oh, yeah. Like, well, yes. a group, like a duo. Yeah. And I got myself to making trap, like the trap stuff. Well, it was like actually like big at the time. That was mm -hmm. like a trend that I was following then. Mm -hmm. And people were like, hey, you got Kate Tridamas name. Like, you know, like you sound like Flostradamus. But I always had that name, which yeah. is funny. Yeah, yeah. So before like things started to go crazy, I just said, oh, I'll just like, people call me Ketra anyways. So I just took out the Damas and put Nada. Yeah. And I don't know why it sounded nice. And it I does. was like Ketra and I was like from Kent and then Nada, you know, like, it's like, it's kind of like a fun, like way to say Ketra, Ketra from Canada, but I don't know why. Oh, it's, Nada, Canada. Uh, like, I never made that connection. Yeah, like Ketra from, from yeah, Canada, yeah, yeah. but Ketra Nada, it's like, I don't know, it's, it really sounded nice. No, yeah. I love the sound of it. It's I love like, the sound it of it. It sounds nice. It looks nice too, the way it's written. Yeah. Was it obvious that you wanted a artist name instead of calling yourself by your given name? No. But it's a decision you made. It's inter just an interesting at the decision. Time. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. Like, you know, like I was like, re I was like 19, 20. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'll go. I'll stick by that name. And it was like, it was fine. But now I'm like, man, I wish. <laughs> I love you. Like, I love Kate Renata. I think it's a beautiful name. Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, I wish I had my, sometimes I wish I had my first name, like my, mm -hmm. my full name as mm -hmm. an artist. I mean, I feel like a lot of people go through that. Even like the weekend, like Abel was telling, like he wanted to like have his name Abel as the main artist. But you can't really do that because it's like, like your career also, could go in a decline. It, it also is, there's something about a name that takes on like a mythology. You know, like Ketranana is not really a person who's sitting here talking to me. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah, like, yeah. it's something else. It's like Ketranana is an idea. You know, it's like, it's not just a person. It's like a, a point of view. It's a, a way of seeing the world. And that's what the name is. Yeah. It represents it, something. It's true. Cause like, you gotta think that's, it's not really, you're like, you're more than just like, a person or just the artist you're like your music is out there you know by your name so it's like when i when i went to change my name i was like i should probably not because it'll mix people's heads heads up a little yeah. bit you know it's like yeah i was like thinking about how you know puffy changed his name to diddy yeah but at the same time puffy like is also more than just the musician, you know, yeah. he got a career, he got, he got a business career, all this stuff going on, the bad boy stuff. So it's like, you know, I wish I had that power in terms of like changing my name, but it's not a big deal at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, 
I can just embrace it and be like, okay, this is who I birthed it. I think it's beautiful. I really do. I like it. I like that name. I like I like your personal name too. But something about <laughs> it as an artist name is just cool. Yeah, it's really cool. You se- you selected well. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming to visit. Oh man, thank you for having me. I man. love seeing you, man. I love seeing you too, man. It's so good to re reunite. Yeah, after all this time, man. Yeah, and we will again. Yeah. Thanks to Ketronada for chatting through his career and approach to making beats with Rick. To hear our favorite Ketronada produced songs, check out the playlist at brokenrecordpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brokenrecordpodcast, where you can find all of our new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at Broken Record. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Ben Tolliday, Eric Sandler, and Jennifer Sanchez, with engineering help from Nick Chafin. Our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you like this show and others from Pushkin, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted ad-free listening for $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And if you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.